Welcome to the CAMCAST. The CAM Project is the take action nonprofit organization to inspire, influence, and impact kids and teens worldwide. Your CAMCAST host interviews older teens, parents, mentors, and specialists, providing tips, advice, education, inspiration, and a supportive community to kid and teen entrepreneurs. Introducing owner of Actionista Live and co founder of the CAM Project, your host, Samara Beth Hurley. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to CamCast. We have another wonderful episode and special guest. This guest today, not only is he a singer, he is an advocate for kids who have been bullied in their lives and helping them get through these situations that we wish that our kids didn't have to deal with on a daily basis. But I actually honestly think it's adults as well. I want to welcome... Our voice, the voice, Manny Cabo. Thank you and welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? Thank you so much for having me, Samara. It's an honor to be on here. So I say the voice because Manny was actually a contestant on the show, The Voice. Um, what season was that on, Manny? That was on season nine. Yes, I'm Team Adam. And then I did it again two years later in Spanish on La Voz with Team Carlos Vives. Okay, so how amazing does that sound? I mean, amazing. And what's also amazing and a crazy connection is that Adam Levine and I went to the same sleepaway camp in upstate New York, and my daughter Ava's attending the same sleepaway camp this summer. And Adam was actually, my brother Adam was Adam Levine's counselor wow. at camp. So, and he just donated the rock shop to the camp with upgrades. So Ava can't wait to get in there with her ukulele. <laughs> That's awesome. Little rock star in the making. Little rock star. She actually, want, we want her to be a bass player. So we're, we're starting her off with the ukulele and then we're going to get her on the bass and she's going to be like that cool chick in the front. <laughs> yeah. Slow transition. Let me tell you, man, for me, it's nothing sexier than women musicians on stage. I'm interviewing Kelly Bacon. She's out of UK and then I have a good friend of mine who I photograph because, you know, I'm also a music photographer out in LA. She's done Circus Soleil, a couple of other big productions, but they're awesome musicians, you know, and they have it rough, though, because, you know, it's an industry dominated by men. So they got a lot to prove and they don't need to because they're just phenomenal. But yeah, good for good for you as a mom and good for her for pursuing it. Yeah, it is amazing. And we have to start our kids earlier. We actually have an episode, an earlier episode with Ava's piano and ukulele teacher because her son, who is on the autism spectrum and with anxiety disorder, he's my son's best friend here. And she's become one of my best friends and she teaches music and she uses music to help kids who have learning challenges and, and disabilities and such too, which is amazing. So music is so important. Don't you agree? I'm sure you do. <laughs> it's a universal language. You know, it's one of the best ways to get a a very powerful message out there is through music because people have a tendency of listening a little bit more intently, especially if they can align with the lyrics. And that's that's basically made my career as an artist. I write powerful songs with messages that have done very, very well for me. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. I love it. So I'm a little fangirly today, so you'll have to forgive me, but I did put on my Led Zeppelin t-shirt, my graphic tee, and put all that mascara and eyeliner and eyeshadow on for you because these days who wears makeup during COVID? <laughs> Tell me about it. There's a lot of limitations, not just makeup. I know I get, I, you know, I get the, uh, the, the whole reserved attitude. Sure. 
<laughs> and Manny brushed his hair for me today. I can see. <laughs> it's good. I got his eyebrows on point, right? <laughs> you obviously, if you're listening through the podcast, you cannot see that Manny is bald and he's always wearing a bandana and a hat. <laughs> so you don't. Yeah. You know what? I was debating that, but I'm like, it's so hot in here. I'm like, then I got to wear headphones. I'm like, ah, you know what? They could deal with the bald head today. Where are you located? I'm here in East Coast, uh, New Jersey, Central Jersey. Jersey. Yeah, Joyzy. So I've worked in Manhattan all my life, so I need to be in proximate distance. You know, train station's about a mile away. So yeah, this is where I reside. Good old Garden State, Joyzy. So I actually used to live in Jersey City. Oh, you're right there. That's right. And Manhattan. I was a corporate event planner in New York City right out of college. I'm from Baltimore. I'm a Baltimore girl. Nice. I mean, it's it's all relatively. Once you're on the East Coast, you're East Coast up and down from freaking Maine to Florida. So it's all good. But are you, aren't you from Nashville or were you just traveling to Nashville? No, I lived there for two years. The whole community, that whole, you know, ecosystem of musicians are good friends of mine. So I travel down there probably four times a year and I schedule three weeks out of, you know, every other month and I do photo shoots. I've got probably well over 150 album covers, EP singles, performances down there. I love Nashville. While I was down there, it was right off the voice. I moved out there for about, it was supposed to be initially four months and then uh, four months turned into almost 18 months. So it was pretty crazy. And I got to perform at Nissan Stadium, at the arena, yeah, what, three or four times on Today in Nashville on NBC. So it was such a great ride. Not to mention, you know, the humbling talent that resides down there is just incredible. I love it. I actually have several friends from Houston that just moved to Nashville during COVID. And one of them works for iHeartRadio. Sorry to hear about your father. I know you had a COVID loss. It was a nightmare. Mm -hmm. Let's just, you know, let's address the elephant in the room because that act precluded me from from doing all the things that I was passionate about. But here's the ironic story. Because of my dad, he was the one who initially put a camera in my hands to begin with. You know, my first little Minolta X700. Uh, he was the one who inspired me and made me a musician because, you know, he introduced me to the drums, the world of rock and roll, ACDC. You know, between my mom and my dad, I, I grew up on a steady dose of music from uh, Motown to the Beatles to classic rock to folk music, salsa, because, you know, my background is um, Hispanic. So I was pretty fortunate with that. You know, it has definitely made me a diverse artist. So, And losing my dad was a huge void. And I literally took almost three months off. That's why it's so overwhelming for me right now, because I feel like I'm playing catch up every day. But, you know, people need to mourn. People need to address these moments that really take a lot of life out of them, because if they don't, then, you know, it just bottles up inside, you know, it starts festering and then I'm useless to anybody else if I don't take care of myself first. But it was a huge hit and it's never going to get any easier. I just learned to deal with it. And what I do is I use his passing as an impetus to keep his legacy going. So I've worked harder than ever before. And I continue to do even more because you learn to appreciate life after dealing with such trauma, man. I like PTSD and over that whole thing. And my wife was sick for 28 days. I didn't know if there things are going to get worse or better. So I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy, but not to harp on that too much. But let's just say I don't ever want to experience that ever again. I had enough for the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really sorry to hear that. And I'm sure COVID also provided some setbacks for you as well with your industry. Sure. How did that impact you? And in every way, shape or form. I mean, I lost probably a good $75,000, $80,000 in gigs. Both of my tours were canceled tour with Wizards of Winter potential tour with uh, Trans-Siberian Orchestra, all my photography jobs, because, you know, let's face it, musicians aren't playing, they're not making money, they don't need photographs. So it hit me from every angle. But here's the thing, 
sure, there was a lot of loss, not just, you know, loss of life, of course, but loss of wages, loss of opportunities, but I made the best of it. You know, I didn't want to live in excuses. I utilized that time to learn brand new softwares, to reacclimate myself to what I was strong with, like repurpose all of my content. What's my message during the time where it seemed to be most dismal, I became the most productive because, you know, we all know this will eventually end. And I knew that going back there and we're not going to have a pandemic forever. So I wanted to be prepared when we leave this nightmare of a year that it has been. So I just worked my ass off and just acquired some new skills to bring forth that new rendition or the new rebranded man, if you will. That's amazing. Okay. So I agree with you about COVID and how it's helped people find their purpose. And I've been an event planner for over two decades and my entire industry, the hospitality event, travel, destination management, social events, corporate events, nonprofit, all of it ended Sure. and not being you know, paid and not being able to get unemployment because I lived in Canada right before here. And so it's been a challenge and, but it's also served, there's such a silver lining to COVID. I agree with you on that. And so it's about the people who just sat back and, you know, binge watch Netflix and just, you know, received unemployment. And then there's us who don't know how to stop. And we just kept on going. I indulge in my Netflix too, man. There's got to be a balance. But yeah, I, I utilize that time to work my ass off because you do. It's all about hustling. And it's the name of a game, especially in this industry where it's a dog eat dog world. And it's such an ever changing industry, you know, so you got to be on your toes. You got to keep mastering your craft. And you know, as an event planner, there were minimal weddings. There were any type of events. If there were any, I don't know. I know around here there weren't. I'm preaching to the choir because I know it hurt you directly as well. But, you know, we got to keep on going. Got to keep on going. I always look at the glass half full anyway. So I love that about you. You're so inspirational to everybody. I love it. I'm so glad that we're able to have you as, as a guest on this podcast for CamCast because we really try to inspire kids and teens to become entrepreneurs but it's and follow their passions. But it's more than that. It's also helping the parents or the grandparents or the aunts yeah. and uncles, whoever's raising the kids or whoever's the positive, motivational, you know, impactful person in their lives because it could be a neighbor. Sure. I mean, there's people in my life who I'm related to that just keep me going. And then there's people who... I became friends with on Clubhouse, my biggest supporters and mentors. And we're talking unpaid mentorship, not, you know, who you pay to be your mentor and coach. I love that you're doing that. You got to be in it to win it. Yeah. If you're going to do something, just go for it. You can't limit yourself. You can't sit there and make excuses. And unfortunately, we're a society that nowadays, you know, it's very self-entitled. Everyone wants the accolades. Everybody wants to be successful. But nobody wants to do the work and nobody realizes it's what you do behind the scenes, not what you do in front of people. And I've always believed that, as an entertainer, and believe me, I've been in front of 14 million people, sold out arenas, but I've also played in front of a bartender on a Wednesday night at the Acme Underground Manhattan. There was nobody there. And I can tell you this, it's not what you do when everybody's watching. It's what you do behind the scenes. And A, it's how they feel when you're not around. Let that sink in a little bit. It's not them praising you. Oh my God, he's amazing. Oh my God, he's rocking out. But it's what they feel when they're not in your presence. Did you leave a mark? Did you leave them with this feeling of, wow, I got, I love what he does. I need to find my passion, get my point. So that's what I try to instill in people. Follow your truth, follow your passion. And believe me, things will start unleashing. But you have to decide. You have to say, yes, I need to do this. You got to get off your ass and just decide and go for it. And amazing things start happening. That's right. And I think in a generation of, you know, I have a 11 year old and a 17 year old and my 11 year old's like, I want to be on TikTok and mm -hmm. I want to be on here and I want to be on there and I want to be a YouTube phenomenon. And 
but I need to have 10,000 to get sponsorship. I need 10,000 people following me. (laughs) And there's so much work that goes into it. And then of course, you know, Ava who started her business at age nine, Whiskey with Flava is a baker, how-to baker. It's not even that she's a baker, like a bakery. She's a how-to baker. She you buy her cakes and then she, but she videos while making it and talks you through it and tells you how to do it. And then we have the recipe, like, awesome. it's a lot of work, but she does the baking work, Sure. but who do you think is doing all the other work <laughs> <laughs> and the dishwashing? <laughs> That's great. And she's sharing her insights, which is fantastic, which means she's very altruistically oriented. And that's a huge quality for Kit to have, you know? Yes, absolutely. Well, for for anyone to have, especially nowadays, there's a lot of adults, especially photographers, most of them anyway. It's not a blanket statement by no stretch, but everybody thinks they know everything. Dude, everything has been done. Just put your spin on it and share the wealth, you know? Nobody's going to steal from you. And if anything, people have stolen stuff from me. I think of it as a compliment. Go for it. Use it. If it does you service, if, if you do better than I do, that's awesome because... The more you hold back, you know, the more that it creates this, this sense of insecurity for some reason. I know it because I've been there. I had more egos than, than half the stadiums I played. And once I let that go, God, it was so refreshing. But then again, I attribute that chip on my shoulder because people always bullied me. They try to change me. Dude, what's with the tattoos? What's with the nails painted? What's, what's with the eyeliner? You know, why do you write songs that way? Like, why do you go to these clubs? Like, and it was always to the point where I felt like I had to prove myself. I never did though. Thankfully I didn't, but it was annoying. It was very frustrating and I always felt alone. So I I understand those kids. And that's why I made it a point to put out those messages against, you know, anti-bullying because people don't realize bullying comes in many shapes and forms. You know, there's emotional, there's physical, there's mental. So I just try to really arm and prepare people, whether they're adults or young kids. And, And like you, I agree with you. Our kids are our future, and hopefully they could do it way better than we did. These are our future rock stars. Of course, I'm going to serve as a mentor, you know, but I could talk about that all day. It's just, um, it's a sad situation. A lot of parents are just not doing their job because I'm sorry. Listen, I can't blame the kids. Kids are born instantly. They're instilled with however their views of life are. They learn that stuff, and they learn that from their surroundings, from their ecosystem, and you can't put the full blame on their friends, can't put the full blame on their school system. Parents have a lot to do with how they rear their kid. My daughter comes in here. She knows right from wrong. I give her all the freedom to pursue her passions. I will support it, but she's got to be disciplined sometime. They have to know that there's consequences to their actions. And I see parents all the time nowadays. I'm like, dude, control your kid, man. (laughs) Yeah, we're in a public place. This kid's like running around like an idiot, jumping and throwing stuff. I'm like, come on. I don't want to yell at the kid I know. because it's not their fault. I'm like, bro, do you see your kid? Are you that oblivious to life? You know, who am I? I'm just a ball guy with a microphone. What do I know? You know, <laughs> <laughs> first of all, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> right? And it's funny too, because people were like, oh, did you child proof this, that, and the other? And my mom and my husband's mom as well would always say, my mom is all these fragile little ornaments in the house. And my mother-in-law is an antique collector. So she's got stuff everywhere. Every square inch is covered. And our kids knew not to break things and they just didn't do it. And so my kids have been hanging out with adults for years. I got my ass beat if I did something. Listen, I'm not condoning to say beat your kids, but kids need to be disciplined. You, They need to know that they did something wrong. They need to be aware of it to not do it again, because it's not just my personal property. I don't want them doing it at somebody else's house and make me look like the parent that's not doing his or her job. So, 
you know, it's a fine line. It's a very controversial issue, but for people anyway, it's not controversial for me. Your kid does something wrong. You need to tell them same thing. I was, a, I was an athlete all my life. I got cut from my first two baseball teams. And then I came back and took them to the championship game. Then I ended up getting drafted to play pro ball. But you know what? I suck. I didn't get a trophy for participation for being in 10th place. Coach told me, you suck. You suck. First, second, third place, and you're lucky if you get a third place trophy. You don't give me a trophy for just participating. That's nonsense. It's these kids are getting babied and coddled. But again, I get angry and I get fired up because there is no sense of appreciation. They don't embrace hard work. And then you wonder why they have that mentality while these kids need therapy and medication. We didn't need any of that stuff. You know, we had a problem with somebody. We'd go in the court or beat the shit out of each other. And we became best friends for the rest of our lives. That's just the way it was. We didn't have to deal with that petty nonsense, you know? And unfortunately, that's where this society is heading. And it angers me because we turned out to be great. We turned out to be fine. We appreciated. Well, that's debatable. <laughs> the jury's still out on that. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it depends on who you ask. But, you know, I guess I, I think you know where I'm headed with this one. But I do. I do. You must be around my age because your bringing was like mine. Yeah, man, I'm 51. Like people think I'm 31. You know, I wake up, my body hurts, but, you know, I work hard. I eat right. I try to work out. The one thing that has helped me to do the things that I do and to stay sane in some capacity, I got rid of all the toxicity. I got rid of family members. I got rid of supposedly best friends, anything that did not align with my, with my take on life. I just got rid of, I don't have anything to prove. If you had a problem with me because I got rid of you, that's your problem. That's on you. You're basically throwing your insecurities on me. You need to check yourself. You need to handle your stuff. If you want to be in my circle of friends, then you need to understand I'm all about love and peace. I don't entertain drama. I don't entertain hate. None of that stuff. If you don't like it, that's not my problem, you know, and I'm happy to do, to be alone. I, I tell you what, and I'm a firm believer. I'd rather be alone than in terrible company. And that's why most of the time you'll see me as a, a, a little loner in the corner. And that's because I choose to, not because I'm antisocial, because once you get to know me, I'm a teddy bear. I love everyone. I embrace everyone's unique gifts. I don't have anything bad to say. I don't pass judgments. But to get to that point, you really need to walk the line of compassion and walk the line of, you know, being peaceful and appreciative of people. That's the way you get into my circle. It's not, it's a no brainer. You know, it's, <laughs> I don't, I'm not a cocky or arrogant person. I just have my standards of living and it's all about just being peaceful. It's really simple but people have a tendency to cater to the drama. It drives me bananas. Mic drop right there. We're done. This is where we're going to end it because it, I'm kidding. We're not ending it. We're not ending it. I can't end it. Are you kidding? Manny and I were separated <laughs> at birth. <laughs> my long lost right, twin. Right, right. Oh yeah. my gosh. So speaking of that, we'll just talk a little bit about it. So you spoke about your dad helping you yeah. getting started, but it's interesting because I know you had mentioned in another podcast that I had listened to my dear friend, Rob Actis, uh, Living the Law of Action, and he has a radio show and a podcast and he interviewed you. Great guy. Great guy. Adore him. Yeah. Anyway, so I know you mentioned that you were once- Bald too. Was it once? Yeah, he's also bald. <laughs> <laughs> you also mentioned on his podcast that you were one step away from being aborted. Yeah. Something like that is actually interesting in connection to, to what's going on in my life. Mm. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's one of those stories where, you know, ironically, it's it's a story that my parents didn't really disclose to me until later on in life, until I was prepared to, to really listen to it, you know. 
And I share that all the time. It kind of makes sense now, you know, my winter seasons of my career and what I'm doing and, and making changes. I reflect back on them like, no wonder I always felt I was up against the wall. No wonder, like I always felt like the underdog, like I had to overachieve. Like I felt like I always had to prove myself in everything that I did because, you know, I was almost denied the reason to live essentially. And I guess, obviously you don't know prior to being born, but that energy transfers over to you. And, you know, I have a lot of people spiritually oriented that have told me, you know what, you brought that with you. And you have to understand that when you're born under those conditions, something just sticks to you. And think of it as a blessing because I became more driven with everything that I did. No matter what I do, my dad always told me, do everything right the first time. Never let anybody have to look over their shoulder to make sure you're doing things right. Take pride in your work. And when you do things, this is, I say this with a huge caveat because this is tough to do, but I've always upheld it. Do things and make sure that you uplift everyone around you. And that always stuck with me because I always wanted to do things, but to assist everyone and elevate everyone around me. And the problem I had, people didn't understand that. It was never my way is the highway. It was always, I was firm with my decisions because I knew it would be the best way to collectively create this progress for all of us, for everyone that's involved, but everyone thought I was too heavy handed. No, it's what you say goes. And it was never like that. And then again, there goes the insecurities of people. So I learned to be a go-getter. I learned to overcome adversity. I learned above all, never, ever cease to give up. And that's one of the things that will always stay with me. And I try to instill that in many people as possible. You know, the possibilities of being born is like a gazillion to one. And so many people just waste their lives on nonsense. And that's not me. That's all I'm going to say about that. Well, you only have one life to live in this time. I believe in reincarnation personally, but yeah. I know your dad would be really proud of you. And I know he's proud of you when he was living, but I think he would be even more proud to see how far you've come, even with COVID and how you were able to, I don't like the word pivot because, you know, some people pivoted, but I just reinvented and took all the parts of my, the experience and all the things that are who we are and developed Action East Alive moving forward in the CAM project. And it sounds like you did exactly the same thing. You started a podcast, you are doing more photography in a different way. And by the way, as an event planner, photographers are my best friends. And so of course, every time I'm with somebody and there's always a professional photographer, it's handy. Right. It's amazing how far you've come. And I do believe that failures are a positive thing because you learn from them and you grow from them, but I don't think they should stop no. you doing it right. The first time you don't, in my mind, you don't have to do it right the first time, but if you fail, learn from it, move forward, try it again. But you're the never giving up definitely sits on that too. You have to fail. Like it's part of the process. If you're not failing, then you're not succeeding because it's part of the whole, that whole orchestra leading up to that final resorts where you're like, yeah, I did it. You know, it just has to be part of that whole equation. Could you imagine telling Thomas Edison, you know, well, you failed making a light bulb a thousand times you failed. No, I didn't. I just came up with a thousand ways of how to not make a light bulb. It's I use that story all the time. You have to fail, just fail forward and learn from that. And I don't even like to call them failures. I like to call them experiments, you know, because, you know, it's the verbiage that we use sometimes also that that gives it a negative connotation. So I like to say, you know, there were challenges, uh, there were obstacles, but we figured a way out and you only 
come up with a solution once you persevere. So yeah, failures are a beautiful thing. I think everyone should embrace quote unquote failures to let them get to that next level. I know I have sincerely, and I'm going to keep making mistakes. It is what it is. We're, we're human. I don't know everything. So, you know, falling on your face is good. As long as you get up. Fail forward. That's an amazing term right there. Because we talk a lot about failures. In fact, so I met you through Rob Actis and I met Rob Actis through Clubhouse in his room, which is about failures and moving forward and about starting your podcast. And so you can have success. And that's how I learned. And that's how I've met so many people. And that's what it's about. It's facing your fears. And if your fear is failing for everyone, it pretty much is, then take that and move forward. You've got to get overcome those fears. And so I love that. I love fail forward. I'm glad you like it because you know, it's the way I've lived life. And to add to that, what is fear? And I say this all the time, and I've spoken on so many stages about this topic and it's amazing how it never gets old. Fear is false evidence appearing real, right? What we want, now hear me out, everything and I mean everything that we want that's deep, that this really emphatic desire to accomplish and whatever that is, whether your goal is to be an actor or a chef or a podcast host, all the things that we want are on the other side of fear. And what I try to explain is the more you face those fears, what happens? You disarm its intensity. It's like when I first went to a roller coaster when I was in grammar school. I was terrified. Back in the day, we had this thing called lightning loops. Okay, obviously that's long gone. Lightning loops. And then we had free fall and all my buddies were going up there. All I would hear is everyone scream on their way down. There's like, no way I'm getting up there until I had the chutzpah to say, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm going up there. I was terrified. When I tell you I was terrified going up those stairs and then you're sitting down and then you're that machinery start going and and all of a sudden your heart is in your chest because you know what's coming you've heard it a million times from the ground floor and then that moment of silence when the thing goes and your heart is like gone it's over there <laughs> and i found myself going on it 10 times in a row that's my point once you face that fear you'd be surprised that in most cases you're like oh my god that's nothing because everything seems impossible until you do it that's it that's the way i've lived just go for it. Be bold, be fearless because you will attain, if not a hundred percent of your goals, 95% of your goals. Cause some, you know, certain intricacies are always incongruous to your desires, maybe the wrong time or the right person or, you know, the right opportunity, but all in all, you will achieve greatness and achieve your goals. If you just embrace your fear, cause fear could be an amazing enemy, a really, really powerful adversary, or it could be your best friend. Because when you're fearful, it keeps you on your toes and it keeps you humble. So embrace the fear, always. Embrace the fear, always. I love it. Mm -hmm. So when you were on The Voice, you had all four chairs turn. Right. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> so I'm sure you had a couple of fears getting in there or were you just like, I'm doing this, I'm excited, whatever happens, happens, and let's just go for it. It sounds like you had that attitude I, I, from hearing you. No, I'm going to be honest with you. And I get asked this question. If I had a dollar for every time that question was asked. Oh, then I'm asking you another one. Forget that. Yeah, no, no, that, no, that was good. That's good because there's a point behind this. And I'm glad I get asked that question because it's, it's more than the obvious. You know, you go on the show. First of all, I was coerced to go to the show. You know, I didn't even want to go. When I was interviewing with the producers, they're asking me, well, what do you love about the show? I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't like anything about these shows. I can't stand these shows. And they're all looking at each other like, what? 
And uh, I told him, listen, all these shows are fabricated because I, I made it onto American Idol X Factor and I never went. I just didn't want to be bothered with the fabrication behind the scenes stories. And the voice finally came along. I was the last person to audition that night. It was like 10 o'clock at night on a Wednesday evening, bitter. When I tell you bitter, they're bitter cold. And my buddy Mike at the time, he goes, Manny, bro, look up. And I look up and I go, what? It goes, there's a sign that says Manny's literally right next door. And he's like, if that's not a sign, I don't know what is. Literally and figuratively. Yeah, right? <laughs> literally, right? So I went on there. And the reason why the, the voice was such an incredible journey was it's where I found my purpose. It wasn't to sing. It was never to sing. It was just to show the world an ability that I have to get my message out because I found myself on the show and I tell everybody, live in the moment, embrace it. Because you, if you start focusing on the 90 seconds, just the singing, it'll pass you by and you're going to miss all these beautiful and gratifying moments where you met all this talent and, and rehearsing and hanging out by the poolside, getting to network. And I had 30 to 40 kids in my hotel room and I'm teaching them how to meditate how to live in the moment, how to embrace your fear, how they're already winners, because we had to beat 70,000 other contestants. And then I had to do it twice on La Voz. So believe me, I, I know about competition, but just be yourself, right? Just be yourself. And as I said before, embrace that fear and live in the moment so nothing passes you by. And the voice gave me a purpose. And that's why I continue to inspire and use my voice as a message to keep everybody in their alignments, you know, to pursue the things that they love. So it was a huge moment for me. And I'm so grateful for it. Not only did I get to meet incredible people, but I got a chance to visit the other side of me that I never even knew existed, that which was already there. I just never catered to it because I was always too busy worried about the entertainer and the ego side of me. You know, I'm really fortunate for that, for both journeys from there and La Voz. Yeah. Well, that was both beautiful and powerful, Manny. And as a parent to a child who has to do an audition on via Zoom instead of in the staging because of COVID for her camp, mm. um, which I'll definitely, you know, ask for some tips on that in a second. But as a parent who knowingly there were other kids in that hotel who you probably helped get through the process, I thank you because those parents didn't have an opportunity to thank you. And it doesn't matter how old they were. They could have been 50. I'm that 50 year old's parent saying thank you for that because that's all it takes sometimes. And you know what the most humbling thing was is that when I was voted off the show, right? It was kind of the best thing that could have happened to me because I left the world wanting more. Unfortunately, the teams were full and I know Blake Pharrell turned for me, but they couldn't add me to their team because all the teams are full. So that was amazing. And, and when I left the show to this day, I still sit here and I contemplate, I'm like, wow. And I sometimes occasionally have a conversation with my friends and the people that were on the show, because we're still great friends like James Dupree and Keith. I do shows with him all the time. I photograph James. He's a huge country star right now. And he's like, bro, I remember my family crying when you left the production crew crying. A lot of the kids were crying. And I literally said, whoa, whoa, guys, whoa. I don't want you to cry. I don't want you to cry. And I know that I'm leaving the show, but here's, a, here's what you have to look at. And again, this is me looking at the other side of the spectrum, the glass half full. This was my journey, right? This was my book for the week. My chapter from this book is closed. Now I'm needed elsewhere to write another chapter. Each and every one of you will be voted off the show. There's only one winner in this show, but the key is you're all winners. 
This is just a label. The one who wins the show is just a person. That was his time. But everyone else, all the other contestants are going to be going home and you're going to find yourself in the same spot. And you're going to feel this void. Like, I wish, what could I have done to do better? What could I have done to execute my performance? It has nothing to do with that. It's divine timing. If you follow your truth, if you cultivate and try to master your gift as best as possible, and this opportunity does not arrive now, don't feel like it passed you by. It's not your time yet. It's telling you no, because there's something else in store for you. So me leaving the show means I have to go somewhere else because I'm needed somewhere else. I did my job. You guys were inspired. Now you guys are looking at this whole competition thing in a totally different light. So now they're prepared to go on to another competition. They're going to know, well, now it's to live in the moment and to really appreciate so I can really enjoy my performance and do the things that I need to do behind the scenes, right? So the moral of the story is don't take everything for face value. Live in the moment and just don't let life pass you by because every second that goes by, there's something to learn. Just make sure you pay attention to those signs. That's it. Oh my goodness. It's so amazing talking to you. I didn't even set the timer. I realized just now I'm like, we're probably going to go on for three hours because I have so many things I want to ask you and I never script. I'm just in awe by you. No, but you know what? Let's, I, I like organic conversations and, you know, let's, let's go wherever it takes us. And sometimes those are the juiciest conversations, you know, the ones that are from the heart. Absolutely. And I never script any of the podcasts because this is how you get to know people. And I definitely want to make sure that we have time for you. I'm going to put you on the spot, but will you perform your bully song at the end? Oh, wow. I mean, I could literally cue it up, but I don't. Do you still have it? I can cue it up, but I could sing an excerpt from it. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. Okay. We'll get to that. There sure. you go. We want that to be definitely part of this because, you know, kids are. Kids are being bullied everywhere. The camp project started because I was seeing kids being home on their devices all the time and they're lonely and they're depressed and they're suicidal. And then, you know, you're, I'm dealing, I have a kid, you know, who is likes to just kind of be, you know, with the door closed in the dark playing video games and doing that kind of thing. And then I have a daughter who's super social and can't see any friends. And we just moved from a country into a home and we don't know anyone and it's COVID and no one could see anyone. We didn't have a learning pod. Like it's been really hard. And so we started the CAM project to help these kids and bullying and not being able to be yourself. Like you had mentioned too, about the tattoos and the makeup. I think you and Adam Lambert have a lot in common. Um, he probably <laughs> <laughs> love him. Um, and look at him now singing with queen, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely. I mean, you can't limit yourself, you know, you can't entertain the criticisms, you know, because the wonderful thing about this industry is you're never going to please everybody. And that's a beautiful thing because you don't have to, you know, you're always going to find your own niche of people. You're always going to find your own tribe. Just stick to that. Forget about those that don't hate you. And you know, the funny thing is all of my haters initially, I have to find new haters because most of them love me now because they realize what type of person that I am. So it's all nonsense until it catches up to them. You know, you can't, you can't entertain the gossip and the nonsense. It's just stupid. Well, you know what I teach my kids? Kill them with kindness because that's what I do. I turn enemies into lovers, <laughs> not lovers in that sense. Oh my God. That's not what I meant. I meant into I, no, I know. I, good friends. <laughs> I was about to say, whoa, okay. That's no, 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 no. I thought this was a G-rated show. <laughs> yes. Well, and I have, well, you know, not always, but I have girlfriends. I, what you were saying about toxic relationships, I have had a lot of that and we've moved a lot and it, you have to start over and figure out who your friends are and where your tribe is. And that's a lot of trial and error too, you know? 
Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Number one, there's a couple things. One, I have to be in Nashville for my very first time when you're there because you're going to have to show me around. Okay. Done. Okay. Number two, I'm assuming that our listeners might be wondering about your relationship status. So can you just tell us right here and now? And I have asked other people that before. Oh, yeah. With respect to whether I'm single, gay, straight, it works. Married. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't really talk about that. Okay. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Keeps it to himself. No, I've been married 20 years. You know, it's been a lot of hardships, a lot of great times, marriages, a lot of work. Love conquers all, but love doesn't pay the bills. Love doesn't figure out understanding. It helps, but there's a lot of elements in a relationship that require a lot of work. And my advice is for anyone out there, if, if you need to find your best friend, you know, and get to know the person first. Uh, that's first and foremost, because, you know, between me and the grand piano, sex doesn't do anything. It's overrated. It's like chocolate. Eventually it catches up to you. It just what, what else is there after that? You know, that initial, uh, oh my God, the beating of the heart and uh, that overwhelming feeling of desire that can fade pretty quickly. And you can't base a relationship on that. But, you know, I've been surrounded by all types of people. You know, I've had my relationships and, you know, I finally married the person who best understood who I was and we support one another, you know, through thick and thin, man. It's it's an uphill climb most cases, especially during COVID, you know. And fortunately, I did find the right person because let's face it, we can't go out. We're locked up in this house 24-7 for God knows how long. And you have to make sure you get along with the person. And especially now that I have a daughter, that's a big responsibility. And um, listen, I get it. It doesn't work out. It doesn't work out. But you just got to keep moving forward, even in relationships. But yeah, for me, I am married. I'm happily married. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. So I've been married 20 years as well. Our anniversary is September 2nd, 2000. What's your date? September. Oh, pressure. <laughs> All right. Put him on the spot. What was it again? <laughs> Dude, I'm so terrible. And my wife knows that. I have got to be, and I hate putting this out into the universe. I'm terrible with names, terrible with dates. You know, last year I forgot my own birthday. Like I was so busy. I came home and there was a party in my house. I had no idea because my schedule, and you know this, you're cut from the same cloth. Anybody who who has multiple things go on, your podcast, you're, you're worried about your interviews, the last thing you think about, especially at 51, I don't want to celebrate my birthdays. I'm, I'm grateful for every day of life. For me, a birthday is great. It's another day that I get to breathe. I'm grateful for that. So I'm the worst <laughs> with stuff like that. So yeah, so it is what it is, you know. You're like September something. I don't know. I was there. I showed up. <laughs> I conquered. We're still married. That's all that matters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. right. And I know her birthday, yeah, there's a couple of things. And I'm like, oh my God, you got to put me on the spot. And she's probably going to watch it and be like, uh-huh. It doesn't <laughs> surprise me. You're in so much, you're in so much trouble. <laughs> Busted. She knows. I know she knows. I'm terrible. Oh my God. Yeah, I'm terrible. That's okay. Michael always said he's, it's always Labor Day weekend. So for us, so that's easy. And he's glad we got married in 2000 because whatever year it is, is the year of our anniversary. So that's pretty much how you remember. Yeah, no, it's the only thing is we never talk about it. Kind of sad because it happened right there, right near September 11th, man. We all know. And I'm right there. That was a brutal day for all of us. And for somebody who worked in the city all the time, the day before I'm leaning against the World Trade Center and the next day it's gone. I'm like, oh my God. It's one of those moments where it's really sensitive to talk about and kind of put a burden on our date for the rest of our lives. But, you know, you can't think of it that way. You got to focus on the good stuff. But yeah. Interesting thing on that is that I was 
working in New York City for a corporate event on September 11th. And my husband was at the Pentagon that day, but we lived in Florida and his submarine was based in Kings Bay, Georgia. But we both were at in New York City. I watched the second plane go in. My office was in Chelsea, ran over there. I mean, it's a whole, whole long story. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. It's chilling, man. It really is when you think about it. I'm like, wow. My, my guitar player at the time, we just to tell you how much it hurt us after that, I took five years off of music. We, were, we had a sold out show that day, Birch Hill with the band lit all over the radio. It was amazing for us. And then I get a call that morning. I'm on a lane closure college. I was working for this construction company and my guitar player calls. He goes, bro, our show's just been canceled. I'm like, what are you talking about? Stop. Cause he was always kidding around. It's like, yeah, bro, turn on the TV. Two planes just flew into the world trade center. And from that moment on, I'm like, you know, Listen, I really need to reevaluate my life. I love music, but I need to take a step back and realize what are the important things in life. And sure, my passion for music will never fade, but it helped me to realize that there are other more important things in life that you really need to pursue, you know, because life is short and anything could happen. So it was uh, one of those epiphany moments that I had, if you will, you know? Yes, me too. I actually, after I did big share owners meetings for Coca-Cola, we bought up every stadium and museum for private events and such. I kind of had a different outlook in life because my husband was in the Navy and I was kind of living that double life of fast girl in New York City when I'm there working and I was working remotely from wherever we lived and we kept moving and the Navy wives were like, oh, she's the one who works. She's from New York City. That's why she talks so fast. And blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I still talk fast. I ended up kind of resigning from the event industry for a while and became a pamper chef consultant because that's what military did, military spouses. And that was actually, I built that up for eight and a half years. And, and I learned so many skills from that sales and training and networking. And so it's, you know, that's what I'm saying. And then I went back into the event industry. So every stage in our life, I don't think we should regret any of it. It all makes us who we are today, right? right. It's the journey. It's not, not a sprint. It's a marathon, you know? Absolutely. So Moho for musicians. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your podcast. You know, it's funny. You just said mojo, which is in Spanish. It's mojo. Yes. It's in mojo. It's mojo. <laughs> yeah, but that's great because I'm like, wait a second. You wouldn't think that because my my friends that are Spanish are like, que mojo por musicians, que eso, you know? And I'm like, no, bro, it's mojo, mojo for musicians, right? So that's pretty interesting. You just brought me back. So Entiendo yeah. Um, espanol un poquito. <laughs> say, yeah, that's what I figured you would say that because that's how you would say it in uh, in Spanish. Mojo for musicians. But uh, yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's mojo, <laughs> which makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Right. Hello. Hello. You know, wake up. Right. It's too funny. Uh, but no, no, it's all good. I get it. It's, it's one of those episodes uh, that I've created, you know, week after week about inspiring musicians, you know, because initially delving into this industry, there were so many unanswered questions that I couldn't find as a musician. What engineers to talk to, how to formulate a song, uh, how to market yourself properly. So I went out of my way to interview all the people that I was associated with, Grammy award-winning producers, engineers, uh, best-selling authors. I'm just I'm gonna be interviewing Rick Barker, who's Taylor Swift manager back in the day. Travis Chappelle, you know, he's right up there, the top 10 most uh, influential figures out there, like Gary Vee, you know, Joe Rogan, all these cats. And it, what I realized that having a podcast, especially revolving around the things that you love and passionate about helps you build an authority helps you build your brand, you know, more clout in your industry. And I've been able to really nail some incredible interviews to the point I'm already in season three and I just started this thing. So I've been bombarded with work, which is a good thing, 
you know how it is. I don't have to tell you putting together a successful podcast is a lot of work, especially initially. And you want to do the research. You want to make sure that you understand the content that you're delivering. Make sure you're consistently offering value, especially for my musicians, you know, my whole ecosystem of artists out there, because it's been really difficult this year. So there's a lot of information that I compile week after week to help them address those issues and answer those unanswered questions that they haven't been able to find. And that's my job. And that's been my voice. And I'm happy that it came around with it. Finally did it, decided to push it forward. And here I am talking to you. I've networked with you because of Clubhouse, because of Rob, because of all these incredible people that are on my forums. So it's been really uplifting. Sounds like it is uplifting. And I can't wait to hear the entire three seasons And I actually have a lot of friends who are musicians and singers and performers, and many of them are, well, normally on Broadway. I might have a couple in mind that may make great guests on your podcast, so. Forward them to me, please, yes. If that's one thing that people can help me with, you know, follow me on the gram, hit my uh, bit.ly link, and just rate and review the show. There's a lot of incredible knowledge that I'm dropping on there, stuff that I wish I had when I was in early on. And I've got some golden nuggets from every single contestant. My De- Deborah Bird, who was my coach, she coached Daughtry. Uh, she coached Jennifer Hudson, Kelly Clarkson. These are the wow. people that I'm interviewing that I've worked with in my life. So there's a lot of amazing information that will help you sidestep those hardships. So I'm just trying to make life easy for my fellow uh, musicians. Man, I'm small potatoes. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> We're all in this together, silly. Now, listen, I'm honored to be here. It's all about the relationship. That's the beautiful thing about it. Like right now, here's a, this is my point I'm trying to make right now. The ego side, if I had one to be like, oh, dude, I don't want to, I don't even know this person. I have so much other stuff to do. I got to build my brand. Am I making money? That's the ego side. The side that teaches you how to live is to live in the moment right now, talking to you. That's the most important thing in my life right now. When I leave here, eating dinner, talking to my daughter and my wife, that's the most important thing in my life. You can't worry about the end result. You know, you take things, right, for granted. And what happens? You don't realize, oh my God, I just missed an opportunity. I don't even remember what we talked about, but she was so cool. And I don't, I just take everything on my plate. I absorb it. I'm grateful for it. And if I can help you and we could help each other out, that's the way you know, the world goes around. So I'm grateful to be on your show. And hopefully if I touch one life of one of your listeners, I've done my job. You know, if we had great conversation, that's always something that I look forward to. So it, it's the little things that matter. It's not the accolades. It's not, you know, all these trophies and stuff. I give these away half the time, these kids, they, they don't signify who I am. That's just an extension of what I've done, you know, because of my talent, but it doesn't define me. This defines me. So I never take heartfelt dialogue for granted. So please don't feel like that. What you're doing is doing something amazing as well, just in your genre of the world, you know, in in your pursuit. Thank you. I say that, but I'm actually pretty, I'm just thrilled to have the people on my (laughs) podcast. (laughs) And I am actually writing a book. That's awesome. And I have, hopefully you'll be part of my story because your journey is mine. There you go. That's it right there. I better be in there. Page 13. And you are definitely in there. Are you going to write my forward or well, Kevin Harrington might write it because I'm in, I'm a founder in a, in the group that he's a founder. <laughs> but That's awesome. No, I'd be honored. If you want me to write something, I'd be more than happy. I've done it before. And it's so gratifying. Really, it's, it's humbling. You know, when somebody wants you to write something in their book or, you know, some verbal account or an experience. Oh my God, those are great. I love it. Well, I'm going to be on the East Coast and we're going to have to do a little bit of a tour. Speaking of tours, do you have a tour coming up? Obviously, I don't want to date the podcast because it's not going to launch today because we have a lot of other podcasts in the camp. But tell us what you have coming up. 
Well, not until the fall, something's going on. You know, uh, everything is pending right now. So I haven't got any confirmed dates, some residencies here and there, but I will be touring with the Wizards of Winter, which is like 12 or 13 dates. That's like a big Christmas show, usually 15 or 16 arenas. And that's always a lot of fun. So I'm really looking forward to that. But shows always come and sometimes sporadically. So I really can't confirm any of that. But just know that hopefully within a month, I'll be posting brand new dates on my site. So follow me on mannycabo.com. There's a tour schedule there. Anything that's going on in my world, whether it's a show, special performance, appearance, uh, podcast, photo shoots, or whatever, will be on that site. So yeah, definitely keep updated on that because I will let you know as soon as I know. For all the listeners, we will put all of that in the show notes cool. for sure. So you don't have to take notes while driving. You, yes. Makes my job. <laughs> <laughs> That's what my VA is for. And by the way, she's super excited about this interview today. She's like, oh my God, Manny, you're interviewing Manny. I'm like, yeah, you'll have fun with it later in the show notes. So, Oh, that's um, great. So thanks. So a shout out to Leah because she will love that. And I met her on Clubhouse. What's your name? Leah. Leah Bryant. Leah. Well, did she watch The Voice? Um, I'm not sure, but she was in the room, uh, when you were with Rob. So, oh, that's too fun. Uh, in the clubhouse room. So she heard your voice and she's like the voice that that voice. And I'm like, that's too, So I think she did see it in the voice. Yeah. I'll sing something for her. Since, since she wasn't at the competition, I'll sing ready. I'll do a little excerpt for you. I do this all the time because that's the one thing that brings everyone back to my performance. And then it forces you to go see the performance. Like, Oh my God, he just sang that. So you ready? Go. And I don't know where I'm going, but I should know where I've been. Yeah. Hanging on the promises with the songs of yesterday. And I've made up my mind. I ain't wasting no more time. But here I go again. Here I go again. There you go. That was my song on the voice. So. That's for her. <laughs> Such a good time. I love it. I love it. I love it so much. Thanks. So you did say that you had the bully song, an excerpt that you were able to play for our kids and teens and even adults out there who are struggling. Is that something you can pull up an excerpt? I tell you what, keep talking. And what I'll do is I'll put it on here right now. I can keep talking. Yeah, keep talking and I'll pull it up. I promise. Okay. Well, one day I'll have the broadcaster where I'm able to pull in callers to ask questions. How cool would that be? <laughs> I'm excited for when you come to Phoenix. I don't know if there's any Phoenix arena in your tour future, okay. but I'm happy to fly anywhere for that VIP backstage pass. <laughs> of course. Are you kidding me? And you know what? You'll be the first person. Phoenix, that's a place that I would love to go to. I'll be in Las Vegas uh, a few times. I'm going to go visit a good friend of mine. She was on The Voice season six, Megan. And then the guys from Elvis Monroe, they just got off tour with, uh, oh God, what's their name? They're also out in Las Vegas. Uh, Brett Young, I think. So yeah, I've got some pretty cool out there. Yeah, there's some pretty cool people. I had tickets for Brett Young and yeah, they got canceled. You'll definitely get trust me. I'll be out there. And you know what? Here it is. I think I found it. I'll play an excerpt. Let's see if you can hear it. You ready? Wait, wait, wait. Let's do an intro, full intro. Go ahead. This is Manny Cabo's Wear Your Words. And this is for you, Samara Hurley. Thank you for so much for having me on the show. And this song is based on a true story about a young lady who was bullied so bad that her dad took a video and she took post-its and put it all over her body of all the names that she was called from all of her classmates. So it's pretty intense. And the front cover, there's two versions of this, by the way. There's an 
explicit album cover, which has the names, that, which I'll refrain from mentioning here. And then there's the G-rated version, which is the one that I have here and where your words, and hopefully you could hear it. Here's where your words for you guys. You call me nasty names and like arrows at my heart. You shouldn't be ashamed of who you think you are. I'm building all my armor to protect my soul. And just to pull it so I am to say you know. Oh, I'm so essentially the lyrics is um let's say call me nasty names aim like arrows at my heart you should be ashamed who do you think you are i'm building up my armor to protect my soul you're just a bully so here i am saying no i won't wear your words right so it's a pretty powerful song and these are basically words from her that we just convoluted into a song amazing yes and i will tell you that just a week ago ava was at the community center that she goes to after school before swim team practice every day and it's a safe place i used to work in the building and everything and we practically live there know everybody who works there and there were these three boys two eighth graders and one ninth grader and her and her friend or you know do the teen room and they went over to the vending machine to get some snacks and these boys came up to them and they said to her friend who she was with there's only one honey bun left and she said sorry and he said i want it and he's you know about to throw money at her but he ends up saying i want it give it to me and she said well i already got it and it's mine and by the way these girls are in fifth grade they're only 11 okay so then he ends up throwing his money at her and said give it to me and he said, give it the F to me. And the whole thing was caught on camera and the girls were scared and they went right to, they end up stepping on and smushing the snacks. They got thrown on the floor, smushed the snacks that they were getting for another kid in the room that wasn't there and really scared the kids. And then they went immediately to authority, which they did exactly the right thing. And the security and the armed police got involved with that because it's just something that's unacceptable there. And they got caught on camera and they had to do several times. They had to give their um, take on it. And they were very, the girls were consistent. It's just even in a safe place. Yeah, it is. It's sad and it's scary because you never know when these moments arise, it could happen anywhere. And at the, the times where you would least expect it and kids can be really, really cruel. You know that. And I remember even when I grew up, I'm like, man, the kids could be so evil. But it is what it is, as long as your kids are fully aware that that is a possibility, you know, they'll be a little bit more uh, prepared for that, you know? Yeah. And we just have to teach them how to handle it. And that's, I have the kill them with kindness way, but in that situation, they just, they took care of it the way they should have Yeah. and just let the authorities deal with it. So, and these kids, these boys were much taller, older, you know, of course, no, you did the right thing. You have to instill them with the knowledge and education, you know? A, not to take it and B, to say something. Uh, it, it's not something that you can keep inside. You, you have to voice it. You can't be afraid of the repercussions because then it'll just persist. And you're just basically the voice for someone else who's scared. You know, somebody's got to stand up. Right. You have to. You can't be afraid. You can't be afraid. And what I like about your mission 
it sounds to me, is about diversity and inclusion, which is what the CAM project is based on. We have people that we interview from all walks of life. Some have come from absolutely nothing, living in the projects, drugs, abuse, incarcerated. So there's so many things that my new amazing friends who have been special guests on our podcast have been through life inside out, upside down, seen the worst, and they have come out on top and they're entrepreneurs and they're raising their kids to be entrepreneurs. And that is what CamCast is about, this podcast that you're on. And we just want to help people find their voice. And you were on the show, The Voice and La Voz. And there's my Spanish for you. Full, full, full pun intended. Yes. <laughs> yes. And they're finding their voice. Now you're a podcaster helping musicians find their voice and you have your voice. And it's so important that I love what you stand for with the diversity. And is that so that is your background? Where's your family from? Well, I was born here. I'm like a full-blooded craft cheese American, but my mom's from Puerto Rico and my dad was from South America, from Uruguay. So yeah, that was my Hispanic background. And my first language was, was Spanish. Amazing. And what kind of advice or tips can you give to kids regarding entrepreneurship and not letting those types of things stop them in this world of trying to fight for diversity and inclusion, which is so hard. And I think we will always be fighting for that, to be honest. Absolutely. Well, the truth is that we all have something beautiful to offer this world and people that poke at you, that are angry at you or jealous of you is because they see something threatening, because they see the value that you have to offer you. They see this unique beauty that you have to give the world. And the thing is, you have to ignore all the comments because, again, you can't please everybody. That's never going to happen. And guess what? That's okay. Being yourself is the easiest way to be, because if you're not being yourself, then you're a lie. And that's not what leaders do. Leaders are authentic and you have to lead by example. So you should never be afraid of who you are and telling your truth, because eventually you're going to find people that see that truth and be in alignment with you. That's the beauty about life. People that are against you is because they're scared of you. They're threatened by you and they're only projecting their insecurities on you. That's all it is. And the thing is, you can't get angry at people that get angry at you because you don't know what their personal circumstances are. They could be going through something very, very difficult at home. Be the bigger person. Be compassionate. Show empathy and sympathy. If anything, say, listen, I don't know what it is you have about me, but is there anything I can do to help you? Is everything okay at home? You know, Open up lines of communication. And even then, if they're even angrier, or if they, they come up with an aggressive rebuttal, then you know to step off, but at least be the bigger person. Don't combat the situation and escalate it by cursing. Walk away, right? Just walk away and continue to be yourself. You're not going to be alone. There's people that are going to be bullied always. Unfortunately, I don't think that's ever going to go away. We could bring more awareness, definitely bring more awareness. We're not going to be completely eradicating it, I don't see that happening, but we can make a difference by educating and instilling those values in our kids and make them entrepreneurs as leaders and instilling the proper way of being, the proper way of treating other human beings. You know, I used to have this one person in my life who used to say, I loathe to be the person that I hate the most. So that's why I try to be great to everyone because I don't want to be seen as that. And I always kept that in the back of my mind. What would a leader do? What would a compassionate person say? How would he act? And just do that and just follow your truth. And don't be scared. Yeah, and be a good leader. And to add to that, which was so 
beautifully said that bullies are not always strangers. They can be your friends. They can be your family. It can be Mm -hmm. behind your own closed doors. And I've witnessed so much of that through people in my world. And I just want everyone to know that we are here for you. That's what CamCast is about and the Cam Project. Just keep your head up, your chin up and find the right people. Surround yourself with the right people. And just like what you said about getting rid of toxic relationships, mm-hmm. that is the key. And it takes time. And some people, it could take 80 years. Absolutely. And people are afraid to get rid of the negativity. I'm like, you're insane because it's, it's causing you this pain. Why would you hold on to that? Well, they're afraid of the repercussions. They're afraid of what they're going to say. It's going to create a void in my life. Well, how's that working out for you right now? You're miserable. So where are you going? Think about it. I don't understand. Do you want to continue feeling that way? Or do you want to feel some relief in your life? I mean, to me, it's a no brainer, but unfortunately common sense is in common practice in today's world. And that's a pretty blanket statement because I see it day in and day out. I'm like, there's sometimes you ever have those moments you're like, really? What, what is this person thinking? Does he not notice what he's doing? You know, it's like, wow, but it is what it is. So you have to, you know, you have to be patient with people, unfortunately. Well, patience is definitely the hardest thing that we all struggle with as parents and and, and children and everything. Well, to quote one of my favorite Broadway shows, Aida, it's your life. If you don't like it, change it. That's where we're at. And I'm going to probably post that on my Instagram after this. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Awesome. (laughs) <laughs> Manny Cabo, oh my gosh, I just adore you. I adore you so much. You're like my brother from another mother. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. I'd rather be known as that. Somebody you could be like, hey, that's Manny, man. He's a cool guy. You know, not, you know, not the singer or the actor or the photographer. You know, I, I always feel like there's something hidden or there's a hidden agenda. I like people recognizing me as, oh man, I know Manny. He's so freaking awesome. He's such a cool guy to talk to. I'm good with that, you know? Great with that. Well, well, that's good because I had no idea who you were until <laughs> until I was reading about it. <laughs> uh, the truth is that I adore you and I can't wait to see you live in concert. We hashtag we are live events. We are coming back. This is our industry. The biggest last event that I did in Austin was at Austin City Limits Moody Theater and had Mark McGrath and that whole crew there. I can't wait to go back to live concerts, rock, country, whatever it may be, classical, Broadway shows. Let's bring our money back into the economy and back to our entertainers. My uh, sidekick assistant's giving me the 10-minute thing because I got another podcast to do. And I'm like, no, no, I got to make sure. I like to take my time. I don't like rushing through podcasts or interviews and stuff. So, yeah. That's okay. I usually keep mine 30 to 45 minutes and I forgot to set the timer. So I know we're probably running over. This has been an amazing opportunity for all of us. Thank you so much for sharing your authentic, true self. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been an honor. Seriously, what you do is fantastic. Keep educating our uh, future rock stars. Please, somebody's got to do it. Will do. And you might be a mentor at our camp one day. That's where all the big stars come from. I would love that. That would be amazing. Wow. That would be amazing. All right. Thank you to all our listeners. This is CamCast. I'm Samara Hurley signing off with the amazing Manny Cabo. Please listen, stay tuned and buy music and concert tickets. Let's get out there. Let's have some fun. Let's party. I'm done. Let's go party. Absolutely. Thank you, everyone. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you for listening. 
We would love to consider your kid or teen as a potential guest on Camcast Kids, hosted by the Cam Project co-founder, kidpreneur Ava Hurley, and friends. Also accepting applications for parents, educators, specialists, and entrepreneurs on the Camcast. Visit thecamproject.org to apply. Remember to follow our podcasts and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. 